Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief. It's our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Melissa. I'm here about Carrie Alavelt. And what a news week, Carrie. It's, it's, we're recording this on Tuesday, and I think we've got like a month's worth of news. Uh, and we're going to touch upon some of that. We're going to talk about Joe Biden announcing his re-election campaign. We're going to talk about Tucker Carlson getting the boot. But as fun as Tucker Carlson has Couldn't have been, happened to a nicer guy. Couldn't have happened to a nicer man, guy. What a celebration we had yesterday. Um, but really, I think the big news is, is Joe Biden announcing for re-election. And, and I know that <laughs> we've talked about this before. People kept asking me, is there somebody else that's going to run? Is Joe Biden going to run for re-election? And I kept saying, of course, he's going to run for re-election. They all run for re-election. And what's more, we want him to run for a re-election because there's no greater advantage in a presidential race than incumbency. And we would be nuts to surrender that for whatever reason, because Frankly, Kerry, Joe Biden has been he's been fine. <laughs> he's been not been, much- not just fine, but but really damn good considering what a slim majority he had to work with in in the Senate um, at, in the first two years. I mean, he's been it. You know, he razor thin, literally one one vote. The vice president. You know, he, the amount of stuff that he's managed to get done. The themes that he's typically you know that he's always run on and pushed have been really pitch perfect most of the time, despite all of the hand wringing and, you know, just before the midterms, we can't believe he closed on democracy and freedom. And then, and then, you know, like it should have been the inflation and the economy, which both would have worked against us. I mean, he's just, he, he has consistently picked the right themes, including when he launched his, um, his first election uh, in, you know, his, his presidential bid. Yeah, and I, I actually think it really bears uh, focusing in on that 2022 election because his numbers, his poll numbers, and Carrie, you 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 have a piece coming out today and on uh, on Daily Codes because I just added it, it and uh, it's an excellent piece. And uh, but you talk about how everybody talk, you know, one of the reasons people said that the Democrats were fated to have a losing 2022, that this red wave was cresting, is because they kept pushed, they kept pointing to Joe Biden's approval rate. And there was some historical precedent that, however, the president was doing the incumbent. A lot of the the down ballot races sort of rested on that. Right. So if, if the Democratic president was unpopular, the voters would supposedly take that out on Democratic candidates running for Congress and, and, and on so on down the ballot. And of course, that's not what happened. Uh, 2022 ended up being a historical Democrats won that election. The only reason that the Republicans have the House is because of redistricting and uh, and their hold is so tenuous that it's almost Democrats, I think, are favored to take control of the House next year. And so the this notion that the president's approval ratings would hurt the party didn't pan out. Now, you're arguing and I actually agree with you 100 percent that the president's ratings will not hurt him in his reelection bid next year. So talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I mean, so first of all, we you, let's just take out the idea that we have that we know who the uh, Republican front, the Republican nominee is going to be. It could Donald be Trump. Donald Trump. I mean, it's Donald still Trump. his to lose. It's yeah. I know it's still his to lose. <laughs> right. But there but there is a possibility that it's some someone else. 
it's too early for head to head. So there's too much time between now and then. OK, people always but, say it's too early, but right now it actually legitimately is it, too early. We're legitimately a year and a half early. out, a year and a half out. Yeah. I mean, what I will say is, you know, for all these all these polling doomsdayers, right, there were a ton of polling doomsdayers uh, in the, um, you know, in in the run up to the midterms, specifically focused on Biden. Well, on Election Day, his I'm trying to think it was his his uh, polling was at something like um, 41 yeah. percent or something like that, you know, Low 40s. and it's. Yeah. Yeah. Low 40s. And now it's at 42 percent. So, you know, all these polling doomsdayers like he's almost a full point higher now when he's launching than he was during the during the election that he was that was supposed to be a disaster because his polling was too low. So let's just you know, it's like he's doing better, actually. <laughs> I'm just really convinced that this isn't about that, that we're in such such a historical times when none of the historical norms uh, can, you know, really have have held. It's not a it's not necessarily a contest of personalities right now. It's a contest of entrenchment, a contest of parties. And um, and this is why and we can get into the theme. I mean, I sort of argued in my piece that, you know, here's a look at the polling. I take a brief look at the polling and then I say, basically, forget about all that, because um, what what we're what we're in now is an existential fight for democracy. And um, this is this has become more clear uh, with Republicans across the country pushing these really draconian laws through that target, um, you know, um, pregnant people that target, um, you know, access to abortion, limiting it, obviously, um, sometimes down to about nothing. Um, that target transgender Americans, that target gay Americans um, and, you know, the right to self-determination across the board um, that target, um, you know, free speech um, and the right to Books. the right to learning books. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Book bans. So, I mean, I, I one thing I did was just cite a couple of headlines that just popped up in the last 24 hours. It's not like I had to like, oh, I'm going to go find those stories over the past three months. You know what I mean? It's like in the last 24 hours, there was a there was a headline, North Dakota governor. And these are all about Republicans, by the way. North Dakota governor signs law banning nearly all abortions. It's a six week abortion ban with like almost no exceptions. Um, Texas Agriculture Commissioner orders employees to wear clothes, quote unquote, consistent, consistent with their biological gender. The nanny um, my, government is now telling you what to wear. That's right. Tell, that's right. Telling the, the 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 party of freedom. Right. Um, they're telling you what to wear. Montana transgender lawmaker silenced for a third day. That's a Democrat, by the way, silenced by Republicans for a third day protesters interrupt house proceedings these are this is the last 24 hours the republican party is now a pro-fascist anti-democratic party um it's it had been trending that way and then after these wonderful results in 2020 and then again in 2022 they decided to double down on it <laughs> they wanted to see you know it was a loser for those two elections but let's just see if we can turn it around um so my my real thing is i don't think that this is going to be necessarily and you know i do think it matters who um to some extent you know it always matters who's actually running but like 
it's a really a, a, a party uh, or a contest of parties and of, of pro-democracy, a pro-democracy coalition coming together once again to defeat this anti-democratic Republican Party that is leaning hard into fascist, uh, into fascism. Um, and so, you know, I just I, 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 in 2022, um, the second the second most cited issue for voters that motivated to them to get to the poll was democracy. Um, the future of democracy was specifically cited in the exit polls um, by 44 percent of voters. Um, that is going to be true even more so this time around. And I think this is probably a good point to segue into wait, Joe wait, wait, Biden. Not, oh. not yet. Let me I have I want to add a little bit to that and then I will segue okay. into sure. his. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So this I actually this this idea that the candidates don't matter so much anymore and it's about the parties. I actually think it's a, a good <laughs> development in our in sort of our politics and particularly in the progressive movement, because historically uh, Democrats have been very personality driven. And so like, oh, we don't like Hillary Clinton. And then, you know, we lost that election against Donald Trump because people had an issue with Hillary Clinton. Right. And I think maybe that cured it because Republicans didn't have that problem. They said if a Republican came out and said, I am against abortion, that's all they needed to hear. There was no, oh, we don't like this person. They always fell in line and the Democrats did not always fall in line. And to our detriment, that is clearly over. I think Donald Trump cured us of that of that affliction. And so, yeah, people are like, you know, they're lukewarm about Joe Biden for reasons that I understand and mostly reasons I don't understand, because I was I was a Joe Biden critic to the almost to the bitter end during the primary. I was an Elizabeth Warren partisan, but I will not deny that he's actually governed where I hoped he would govern. So it's been a pleasant surprise and, and I see no reason to even dream about somebody else. He's been perfectly fine. As much as polls say, oh, six, I think like 60% of Democrats wish there was somebody else. I actually don't think there's a single person that we could put up where people would not say that same thing. Maybe Barack Obama. Maybe he would still garner a majority. But I bet you almost every other candidate, people would be like, oh, I want somebody else. Because, Carrie, when they talk about I want somebody else, it's their idea of the perfect candidate that may or may not even exist. So, yeah, somebody who's into Elizabeth Warren, oh, I, you know, I want somebody else. Somebody who's into... Bernie Sanders, I want somebody else. Somebody who's into Pete Buttigieg, I want somebody else. It's not a serious question. It's not, would you, it's not a primary question. It's not, that's not a real, it's people's perception or people's wish, their fantasy of the perfect candidate. It might not even be somebody who exists. So I think we're actually in a good place. People are rallying around Joe Biden. I don't think it's going to be any issue. And what strikes me is what you said earlier. You said that Republicans were the party of freedom. And this was their branding. Yeah. A big part of their branding. The nanny state Democrats want to tell you what to do, where to work, blah, blah, blah. They're communists. And we actually have seen Republicans systematically and, and intentionally eliminate that brand. They will now tell you they want to control your uterus, what you read, what you learn, what you know, you what can't you wear Disney, you know, what to wear, what amusement park to attend. And this is not a, a you know, it's not even a cultural what beer to drink. 
Yeah, it's not even a, a, a culture like, okay, a bunch of people are protesting. I mean, liberals do that all. We'll, we'll protest some business that has Nazi ties, whatever, right? Who cares? It, that's just democracy. You don't see our elected officials jumping on those bandwagons, right? They do. They 100% to the very top. I mean, you'll have Donald Trump probably talking about Miller Lite and, oh, they had a transgender influencer do a 30-second bit, so therefore we must lose our heads over Miller Lite. So – they have completely given up on this notion of freedom. And who has stepped into the void? I think now's a good time for that video. This is Joe Biden's Demo- announcement speech. Democrats, right? Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. Ah. And then and then cue like exciting, energetic music. You know, you're like dancing around. (laughs) (laughs) Literally fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Democrats and and Carrie, you used to you used to you made this argument, I think, last year where you said Democrats should be the party of of. What's, I, you may have used the word freedom. Probably. Um, I like the word freedom because I feel like Republicans have abandoned it. And, you know, the reason I, I focus sometimes on freedom versus rights is that um, is that in the in the uh, movement for same sex marriage, there was the you know, the people on the left always talked about same sex marriage rights, gay marriage rights. Right. But the people who were trying to influence the right side of the conversation always talked about the freedom to marry. Right. Because rights versus freedom. And so, you know, I feel like they've abandoned the word freedom and we should it. It's what we're for. We're not just for rights. We're for freedom. And and, you know, I I don't have anything against the word rights. I just think the word freedom is there for the taking. And for a long time, um, Republicans and the conservative movement have thought that freedom was theirs. Yeah, and the word freedom is really in at least in American cultural um, <clears throat> philosophy thinking, it's very tied to our notion of democracy, right? Democracy and freedoms, our freedom to choose our own government, to make our own decisions, our freedom to protest, our freedom to speak, and uh, free—it's called free speech. It's not called the right to speech. It's called free speech. Right, right. And so that that um, sort of intertwining of democracy and freedom, I think, are essential. So even when you're talking about democracy. Uh, you're talking about freedom, and that is something that Republicans want to deny. They're not even—they're not even for free, you know for your right to vote anymore, for the freedom to choose your own candidates. And we've seen this in in a slew of red states right now that are attempting to raise the threshold of voter initiatives to sixty percent. We're seeing it in Ohio. We're seeing it in Missouri. Yep. And I know that yep. there's bills in several more red states. And the reason they're doing this is because pro-abortion ballot initiatives have passed in every single state that has had them by decent margins, including, obviously, we all know Kansas. That was sort of the the bellwether that shook the political establishment into realizing that abortion was a salient issue. That was a 19-point victory, 18-point victory. But it also won in Kentucky, which is the most evangelical state in the country. 48% of Kentuckians are evangelical. Uh, that's why it says red as Republican as it is. It passed I didn't know in that. Montana. It passed in Montana, and so those states like Ohio, there's a there's a ballot initiative that's brewing in Ohio to to codify in the state constitution abortion rights. 
Uh, and in Missouri, Missouri's just gone to la la land. Like Missouri's like lost its head. But they know that if there's a ballot initiative, it'll um, to support abortion rights to protect abortion rights, it will pass. And so they don't even trust. They don't believe in democracy anymore. They're trying to raise the threshold in both those states to sixty percent. So to pass a ballot initiative, you have to have sixty percent of the vote. That's a twenty point margin. In Kansas, which uh, you know, abortion rights won by eighteen points. It was fifty nine. 41. It would not have passed with 60%, despite having massive public support. And so Republicans are undermining democracy, uh, even in their own red states. They don't want, the ideologues have decided, these theocrats, this American Taliban have decided that their ideas, their, their approach should be foisted on their populace. And of course, we're seeing this in the national courts right now with, with the morning after abortion pill, where uh, conservative courts are trying to do the same thing nationally. This idea that it's about state rights is absolute BS. Uh, I know that Mike Pence already said that he would love to see a national ban. Uh, so this is the battle that we're fighting. It's a battle, you're right, it's an absolute, it's a battle about freedom. And it's not just amazing that Democrats have sort of walked into this void. Um, it's that Republicans surrendered it. And they did so as brazenly and as intentionally as they did. You don't really see that in politics where somebody takes that kind of positive narrative, that positive brand, and just walks away from it. Right. And they're and they they're trying to claim that all these really fascist policies are are in the name of freedom. That's what they're trying to claim. It's crazy. You know, this idea that, for instance, they you know, in the House, the the um, the Republican majority passed the the parental rights bill and they framed it as, you know, giving parents freedom of choice. And, And really what it is about is allowing, you know, one person essentially to to disrupt um, what's in a in a public library or a school library or a curriculum or whatever. So it's not a it's not about parental freedom. It's about one parent being able to lodge a complaint and then shut down that learning for the entire rest of the class or the entire rest of the school. Right. That's not, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. Um, So uh, you know, but I, I think one of the, one of the things that struck me and you, you've written, you wrote about the video too. When I watched that video, the first word out of Joe Biden's mouth is freedom. That's the first word he utters. And it's like just freedom. And then there's, you know, video all around it and whatever. He doesn't say a complete sentence. He just says the word freedom. And, um, you know, I I have to give it to Biden. I mean, I'm one of these people who kind of wanted to see a a, um, primary, not because it was the smartest thing, but because we have so much young talent um, that, I would love to, you know, I would have, I would have wanted to see it. I don't want to see it now. Okay. It's historically anytime a party, you know, has an internal fight and a, you know, primary, of, um, you got, someone, Marianne, you got Marianne Williamson. No, if you really RFK no, junior, you got, you got yourself yeah. a primary if you want one. <laughs> well, I mean, RFK junior supposedly did pull 14% in a recent. Yeah. 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 That would be yeah. actually hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but, you know, a serious, a serious prime, I mean, speaking of a Kennedy primary and someone, right? I mean, it, you know, a serious, a serious challenge always ends in defeat. Didn't he primary, did he primary Carter? I can't remember, you know, you would know this. Yeah, no, Carter was primary by Ted Kennedy. Yeah, right. Disaster. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what that's what I thought. And I was uh, yeah. So and, and went on to lose. I mean, it's probably mm-hmm. not the only reason he lose he lost, but it certainly did not help, right? Nope, so this not. is it. It's it's we don't we don't want a primary mm-hmm. now, for sure. Not not now that Joe Biden has announced. But I got to give the Biden administration and the Biden campaign credit. You know, he didn't have a particularly smooth um uh, start to his run in twenty uh, in twenty twenty, um, he announced uh, in twenty nineteen. I think in the spring with a very very prescient video um, where instead of talking about you know certain policies or whatever, he talks he talked more broadly about. Um, the the rise of the far right and the march in Sh- in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, by the Proud Boys and and you know with the tiki torches and whatever, and said you know that he felt called to uh, get into the race now in order to fight for the soul of America, and this is a, this is building on that. Um, this next the video he did for his amount, announcement this time is building on that theme. And it's not just a fight for the soul of America, which it is, but it's a fight for actual freedom at this point. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, the, the fascists, if, we, if we, you're ready to shift gears and talk about Fox News. Sure. Sure. Yeah, why not? The, the number one purveyor of fascist propaganda on the top cable news channel and one with reach far beyond its its daily viewership as far as influence is uh is uh tucker carlson and he was just canned by fox news and i don't know if we know officially the reason it seems to be something having to do with some sexual harassment actions which seems to take out most <laughs> most of fox news hosts <laughs> yeah bill o'reilly and Maybe that's just the other only other one. I mean, if, no, if effectively, yeah, I think I think Glenn Beck, if I remember, lied one too many times. I don't think that's the case here. No. I think, you know, uh, legally oh, speaking, were... Tucker Carlson became a bigger liability than he was worth having on TV, which is saying a lot because he was their number one ratings, you know, uh, guy. So whatever whatever kind of liability legal liability he posed, it must have been a big one. Yeah, and so what it's the I mean, it's kind of it's been a really fun. I think 24 hours, not just because, you know, seeing Tucker Carlson humiliated this way and sort of booted off the airwaves, he'll find some online platform. He'll, he'll do, he'll do fine financially. Uh, he's on a radio, but it won't be the kind of penetration that he has at Fox news. I mean, how, right. what's the last time you saw Bill O'Reilly or Glenn Beck um, quoted anywhere? And they're both fairly prominent still in their radio platforms, but it's in that bubble. It's inside that bubble. It doesn't, it doesn't emanate out. And uh, you're seeing like there, there's a there's a the MAGA crowd is is claiming a boycott of Fox News. And and if you remember, this was the reason that Fox News played along with the big lie. And we saw this in the documentation from the Dominion lawsuit is that they knew it was all lies, but they were worried that they would lose that audience if they admit it, if they reported accurately and truthfully that Donald Trump was full of shit when he was talking about the, the election. And this is 
eventually gotten to the same place, except that it just cost them $800 million in a Dominion lawsuit. And they still have another one um, coming up. The the other um, voting. Smartmatic, I think. Smartmatic, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is going to end up costing Fox News multiple billions of dollars. Their reputation has been tarnished. And uh, because they didn't do this, they didn't rip off the Band-Aid back in 2020. And so now I guess we're having to do that now. But um, it's been kind of fun seeing MAGA Republicans turn on Fox News. And anything that diminishes Fox News and the influence it has, because it's probably the most toxic influence in our media environment in this country today. And I don't even even think it's close. Yeah. And he and and Tucker Carlson specifically is probably the biggest uh, purveyor of sort of fascist pro-Putin, pro-Russia and, and, uh, you know, misinformation, um, you know, talking to specifically about the great replacement theory, yeah, which the is idea like Nazi. That, yeah. White yeah supremacist. Which is, right. White supremacist. He was he he was really the white supremacist pusher. Now, I'm not saying that those themes don't make it into like Laura Ingraham's show. And, you know, but he, neither their their biggest three personalities, I think now are Sean Hannity, Laura Ingraham and um, and uh, Tucker Carlson until Tucker Carlson was fired. And uh, there's a reason that, you know, a lot of those in the Dominion lawsuit, I think the the three, the, those three were texting amongst texting amongst each other a lot um, during the end of the 2020 election to figure out what the heck they were going to do, how they were going to play this whole bogus lie about Dominion um, systems um, somehow reverting, you know, the the uh uh, Trump votes to Biden votes, which did not happen. Um, but anyway, um, so, you know, those three, but of the three, the most pernicious, right, by far is Tucker Carlson. And so, you know, I, I don't think that this hurts over, you know, in the long term, it probably, I, I don't know, but it probably doesn't hurt Fox News that much. I mean, maybe they got a gut check about how much they, you know, how many more, uh, billion dollar lawsuits they want to, you know, they they want to take on, right? Just having him gone for the remainder of the news cycle in 2024 is is a little bit of a win. And, you know, all of those people, all those people who are who were really consuming Fox News for that really white nationalist, gross, anti-democratic, fascist stuff that they were getting from Tucker Carlson. Well, they're going to have to go back to the Internet to find that stuff. Now, um, it's it's not going to be featured on the biggest cable news channel um, of, you know, in, in the country. And and thank goodness. Now, I don't know that we stomp it out permanently, but it's it is a help to the cause, I, I think. You know, if you look at the side by side of Joe Biden announcing his reelection campaign based on a framing of freedom and pro-democracy and Tucker Carlson getting booted from Fox for whatever reason and not having the platform to spout his fascist misinformation, disinformation um, anymore for the 2024 cycle and beyond um, that, that all of that is a win for democracy right now. It doesn't mean we've, you know, we've won the fight, the to- you know, the, the whole war is over, but all of that is, is a good, good news for democracy this week. 
Yeah, definitely on the information um, front. And, and it has a similar effect on even the, the battle for public opinion over uh, the Ukraine war and supporting Ukraine. Uh, Tucker Carlson was literally quoted every single night in Russian TV. Um, and they called him <laughs> our Tucker. And in, fact, in fact, I think the only I think the only public offer for a uh, for <laughs> yeah. a, 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 a job after he got after news of his firing broke was from uh, Russia Today, wasn't it? RT? Yeah, yeah, wasn't that? yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, was, that was true. And uh, <laughs> and he I, I actually think he might be the only prominent pro Putin voice in American media with any kind of platform. And because I, Hannity, those guys are not pro Putin and they're more old school, you know, anti Russia type of conservatism, which was, <laughs> they weren't wrong about that. And yeah. so it, it's, it's a blow to them. I know um, definitely Russian TV was in mourning last night. They were even saying one of their top propagandists was like, they're going to put him in prison. And no, we're not Russia. <laughs> He's not going to prison. Uh, there's really no need for that. Um, but there is this sort of sense that taking them off the air. I mean, I've seen MAGA people on Twitter, you know, talk about where his free speech rights and he'll have plenty of free speech. He's got a studio in Maine. He can have his, his uh, version of the blaze, which is where, uh, where Glenn Beck ended up. And I don't even know where Bill O'Reilly is. He can have his version of his, you know, podcast. He can, he can, he can even do a uh, email newsletter. You know, maybe he can get on Substack. He still has radio show. There's, there's not a problem with his speech. His speech is going to exist. It's just not going to have that platform and the credibility that Fox news imparts on that. And that is incredibly helpful for our, our democracy. And as far as Fox news, you know, they're, they're taking this big hit from the first lawsuit. They still got another one coming up. Um, Bodematic has said that they're not settling. Uh, that they want the full um, smartmatic 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 yeah, yeah. yeah they want their thanks they want their um, public apology they want these things now who knows if Fox dangles a billion dollars to make them go away they may <laughs> they may do what what um, Dominion did and just take the money and run but this is not a sustainable business model for Fox News to be paying out billion dollar settlements uh, because it's because it refuses to adhere to any notion of truth. So maybe even that will force Fox News to hew a little tighter to the truth. Now, it's okay to be partisan. It's okay to have a point of view. We do for sure, Daily Coast. That's not, there's no crime in that. That's why Sean Hannity, I think he's a piece of crap, but you know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a, he's not dealing conspiracy theories. He's not lying. Um, <laughs> I don't watch them as much as, as the folks at Media Matters do or, you know, some of these other places. But I don't think Sean Hannity really delved too deeply into the big lie stuff I, um, as much as some of the other hosts did. Uh, no, like and, I, and I remember. Maria Bertolomo. I remember on January 6th, the text that showed up about him texting back and forth with Meadows. I'm pretty sure um, Sean Hannity was one of them who was saying. Yep. You you got it. You got to shut this down. It's ruining Trump's legacy. I mean, you know, we, we, <laughs> we on the left already thought Trump's legacy was ruined and he was crap anyway. But yeah, it did. You know, January 6th didn't help. Oh, now um, it's ruined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it's ruined. But um, but, you know, I, I, again, Sean Hannity just isn't. I mean, I don't want to paint him as any sort of like prince. No, he's not, right? a, he's not a hero. But he's right? he's but not he's, the hero of the story. He, he's not exactly Tucker Carlson. Is, no. is I think the but that's the best. I mean, it's a low bar, but where he clears it, he clears not being as bad as Tucker Carlson. 
I mean, yeah, there, there's being ideologically wrong and then there's being, you know, throwing all facts and just completely coming up with racist, Nazi level xenophobic rhetoric like the white replacement theory, which is white people are getting replaced by brown people and therefore, therefore what, you know, you can use your imagination. So it's, it's, yeah, right. it's definitely, it's definitely a relief. And I think it further, and this is where sort of maybe you can pull it back to the presidential election. The right wing right now is in civil war mode. They are absolutely at each other's throats. And so this just brings that battle to Fox News, but it's a battle writ large. And Carrie, you wrote a story, I believe it was uh, yesterday, so uh, Monday, talking about what it would take to replace Donald Trump, to find somebody else. And that person doesn't exist right now. It's clearly not, not Ron DeSantis. He's, he's, he's a laughing stock already. But there, there is definitely some rumblings among donors. There's rumblings amongst parts of the critical grassroots, the evangelical community. And there are um, even some politicians that are starting to speak up, people like Chris Christie and, and, uh, and uh, Asa Hutchinson, former governor of, of Arkansas, are starting to be more aggressive in pushing back against Trump. So I personally, I don't think they're going to be successful um, just because that alternative does not exist, but it keeps that fight going. And as long as they're fighting yeah. each other, I mean, Joe Biden's got a clear path. Like they ain't going to go anywhere near Joe Biden because they're too busy training their guns at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's a couple interesting things to remark. I mean, first of all, just something that I noticed just today that I hadn't seen. And I don't think I've seen this. I We haven't discussed this, but I don't think I've seen this from really any other prominent politician, um, prominent Republican sort of running a state. But Brian Kemp, who just, you know, comfortably won reelection in Georgia against Stacey Abrams. Yeah. After Trump targeted yeah. him directly. After, right. Exactly. After Trump viciously targeted him, he, he you know, won re-election by, what, five points, a handful of points, something like that. It was pretty easy. comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it may have been even a little more. And and at the same time, Trump's candidate, Herschel Walker, of course, flamed out, totally bombed. Right. That's like nosedive. And um, so. But he just recently said, uh, told some big donors in in Georgia, hey, we got to start stepping up. We can't count on the party infrastructure, the Republican Party infrastructure in this state anymore because it's too far right. Basically, it's too crazy. We don't know what they're going to support and not support. So we have to step up and kind of form our own apparatus. Now, I don't know exactly. I didn't read the whole article, so I don't know exactly like how he framed that. But he was essentially saying the Republican state party apparatus is not necessarily our friend anymore. So we it's have MAGA. to be prepared. And it's it's, right, and it's exactly. MAGA nuts. Not even just MAGA, but like the worst. Yes, but have you seen, I haven't seen a single, I mean, I'm a little tangential here. I'll get back to your question in a second, whatever it was. I know it was interesting, <laughs> but but like I haven't seen, I haven't seen a Republican, you know, governor do anything like this. Any, you know, I, I just don't. I, yeah, it's because like, in most states, I thought it was really notable. In most MAGA states, the the governors are are Democrats. Places like Arizona and Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, where MAGA has completely taken over the state apparatus. You have Democratic governors, um, Pennsylvania, another one uh, that act as foils. Georgia's one of the few where like the MAGA is still at odds with with the governors. So yeah, it's a completely unique yeah. situation. I don't think we've seen that anywhere right. else. So so it's either MAGA and a Democratic governor, or it's it's MAGA and a, a Republican governor like Christy Nome or whatever, who's just yeah, as MAGA herself. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, 
So so that's where we where we're at, right? This Brian Kemp development in Georgia is interesting, but you had originally asked like uh, or talked about um, this piece I wrote, and I really think look. I, I, obviously, the the nomination, believe it or not, is still Donald Trump. You know, indicted former President Donald Trump's right <laughs> to lose, which is crazy. Which is just crazy, right? He's he's <laughs> leading. Yeah. He's he's leading at the moment. Ron DeSantis, who I really don't think is going to have the juice to get this done by double digits in most polling. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, my my point in the piece was, you know, th- there were all these anti-Trumpers who and people looking for alternatives, even if they like Trump, they wanted someone more electable who were looking to Ron DeSantis as kind of a white knight savior type of dude. And it turns out the guy is just like, he's so weird. He's such a weirdo. He's He's so so weird. weird. He can't, he can't have like normal conversations with people. He doesn't like people. He doesn't like to interact with people. And, you know, he gave, he was in Japan recently and asked about, um, Donald Trump kind of dusting him in the polls. And he did this, like, he did this like weird, like bobblehead parody of himself where he was like, he grinned and he was like, well, I'm not I'm a candidate. I'm not a candidate yet. So we'll see. You know, and it was like it was so weird. No, like the guys- words were normal. If you read it in a newspaper, you, it was a perfectly valid, perfectly response. Yeah. But, but he literally I think you wrote when you wrote about it like a bobblehead. He looked like a bobblehead, like somebody. But you shake the bobblehead. And then yes, say the words like I'm not I'm not a politician or I'm not a declared candidate yet. We'll see. And so, of course, everybody's making fun of him like he is a yeah. joke. Donald Trump Super PAC is making fun of him using eating peanut butter. Was it peanut butter with his Wait, fingers? No, uh, no yogurt. Pudding, chocolate pudding. Pudding, pudding chocolate pudding. Pudding with three fingers, just like scooping it up like mound by mound and putting it in and, his mouth. And so he does these weird things. And um, people... Don't you know? Don't vote for a lot of things. Oh, weird's just really not one of them. And he lacks any yeah. kind of presence. He wears high heels to get any kind of height. I yeah. mean, the guy, the guy is 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 just weird. And so we, Carrie, we talked oh. about him flaming out, right? We never, we never thought he was a viable candidate. I don't think either of us thought he would do it before he announced them. No, no, no. I, I think there's still questionable. It's questionable now whether he gets in. But, but the, but back to your original point, which was, you know, what. I, I, I was saying that now that he is like being revealed, it's just probably really not up to this task. All of these people who are looking for an alternative are like, what are we going to do? And my point was, it's not going to be one person. It's going to be a pile on from all directions, right? It's going to be a bunch of donors uh, not funding him, but funding, you know, and, and not funding Trump, but funding other people who can make trouble for Trump, funding Chris Christie, who probably doesn't have a shot in hell of like, you know, may, of, of winning. Same with Asa Hutchinson. But he's a bully, but Chris, but, but Chris he's Christie's a, brawler. a bully. Yep. Yeah, he's a bully. He's a brawler. So so if if Trump were, for instance, taking body blows from Chris Christie and then a few more indictments were slapped on him and Asa Hutchinson was sort of delivering this more sober, you know, assessment of of of, you know, who's who Asa Hutchinson, who's, who's definitely not going to win either because he's like 70 something. He's an establishment you know, rhino in these days terms. But all of these factors together could make it possible for someone like Tim Scott or uh, in a South Carolina senator, Tim Scott, 
or, um, you know, governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, who are both younger, who both can kind of claim that they're part of a younger generation and not necessarily be painted in broad brush strokes as a establishment rhino, you know, in, in cahoots with Mitch McConnell. Um, that run a truly different campaign instead of like not just being just trying to sell this knockoff brand of MAGA and of Trump. Like, you know, DeSantis built his whole identity around being Trump, but like without the baggage, but then never really made the Trump without a bag without the baggage <laughs> argument. But anyway, like I think it's going to be someone who's not trying to push the MAGA brand. They're going to be someone who manages to coalesce. They're never going to get the MAGA base that is so committed to Trump, they're not going to get those people, but they will get the people who in, in the, at the end of the day want to win worse than they like Donald Trump, who are like, you know, pro-Trump, but not necessarily like pro-losing the election. And then all the anti-Trumpers as well, right? The, maybe, maybe that confluence of factors could sort of create a miracle where, where, for the Republican Party where Donald Trump doesn't win, but it's still his to lose. Yeah, and, and, and in that scenario, and we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping up here. But in that scenario, um, that MAGA Republicans would boycott the presidential election. It would it, it might even be the best case scenario for our side. But I think if the Republican Party is gonna have any kind of future, it needs to rip off that bandaid. It needs to lose. It needs to lose big, and then it can rebuild into something. Then they can say like, exactly. you know what? Which is which is you know what they did after Barry Goldwater. I mean, it, this is not a. A, you know, a situation without presidents. Barry Goldwater got absolutely walloped, lost 49 states. And then, you know, a couple of election cycles later, they had Ronald Reagan. Like, they can do it. They just have to be able to shed themselves of this Trump baggage, this Trump stench. And to do that, they're going to have to lose. So that's that decision that they're going to have to make. And I'm even seeing somebody like Mitch McConnell, where he's trashing his own senators uh, he's like, I almost think he's at that point now where he's like, you know, let's burn this place down and then let's see if we can we can rebuild. Somebody else can rebuild. I mean, he's he's old. He's might be on his way out. Um, but it's going to be an absolutely fascinating process to to watch out. So I hope hope you're right. I hope this opposition can can uh, take hold. And I think they I. I suspect they realize that this is a thing that they need to do. It's it's it's. A band, like I keep saying, a bandaid that they need to rip off. It's like you know, it's going to hurt. We're yeah. going to lose. Yeah, but we can, you know. Hopefully, the Democrats will over. You know, they'll they'll go too far. They'll piss people off, and then there'll be a backlash, and then we can be they'll, there. Rebuild. They'll push too much freedom. <laughs> too much freedom. <laughs> Horrifying. They can read books. Get educated. Where what they want? It's horrible. Uh, what an what a dystopian America. And speaking of the Republican Party's response to to Joe Biden's announcement was literally a hundred percent artificial intelligence video. Um, oh, they don't even really? have real a hundred percent. It's this dystopian wow. future, and um, they don't even have real things to complain about. This is this wow. is how bad it is to be a Republican right now. Because yeah, yeah, that's just that's just a look into that that AI video is just a look into the Republican brain, and it's dark. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us this week. Thank you, Carrie, for being such a lovely co-host. As always, thanks to Walter Einenkel for producing. Thanks to Paul, who helps out behind the scenes. And thank you, the viewer, listener, and reader who are part of this movement to fight for our democracy 
because the other side isn't giving up their fight. So we're going to need all of you. And it's such a love all of you for being part of this grand movement. And I'm glad you're fighting side by side. Thank you so much for joining us. Please like, recommend, uh, tell your friends about us, uh, spread the word. And we will catch you next week. Thanks so much. Bye.